0: we're commissioning Kyle Dick today as our associate pastor for youth, and we do this to recognize and to bless what God is doing, and um, it's a co-hyphen missioning because Kyle isn't doing all the work but helping us complete the mission that God has given us to do. So Gary Jensen is joining us, and Gary is the executive pastor of Mennonite Church BC, which if you don't know, is our family of churches here. Why ask MCBC to participate with us In commissioning a pastor because our connection to the larger church of Jesus in the world is made more real by our intentional participation with one small family of churches and we believe that's really important. So Gary's been in ministry since 1985. He and Diane spent some years in Botswana and then nearly 10 years as a pastor in small town Saskatchewan and after that 10 years in uh, Vancouver. Sherbrooke? Sherbrooke Mennonite. He's now in his 13th
1: year as executive pastor of MCBC. And Gary is a Canucks fan, so that means he's smiling today. It's really good to be with you guys. I, I always enjoy coming here. I've been here a few times over the years. Um, and it's good to represent Mennonite Church BC. And it's always good to know Jeanette is here also as my coworker, worker And uh, yeah, uh, we've worked together for almost 13 years. You know, It's in our 13th year working together. And it's still working. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so I bring greetings in the name of Jesus Christ, in behalf of Mennonite Church, British Columbia family of congregations, and you, as Crossroads Community Church, have called Kyle Dick to become your associate pastor. After careful consideration, Kyle has accepted your call as a call from God, and as executive minister of Mennonite Church BC, I am delighted to be here to commission Kyle. Uh, Into this ministry in the name of our chief pastor, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I'm going to invite invite Kyle and Ashley to come up at this time. There we go. And I don't have the name of this little. Rhea. Rhea. Excellent. Good. So I have a couple questions. This is kind of a formal thing to do, but in some ways we do things formally at times. Kyle, seeing that God, by his grace, has called you into pastoral ministry and that Crossroads Community Church has felt the leading to call you into leadership here and that you are about to enter into a covenant relationship with its people, I have... These questions for you. Do you promise that as pastor in this congregation, you will faithfully seek to carry out the duties of your ministry, exercising boldly, wisely, and lovingly the authority that has been entrusted to you in this ministry? I promise to do so with God's help. (laughs) Excellent. Um, And will you faithfully teach the Word of God fully as God reveals it to you through the work of the Holy Spirit for the instruction? and inspiration of those to whom you minister. I promise to do so with God's help. We have asked Ashley to come and stand here with Kyle to symbolize her willingness to support Kyle in this call. And I have a question for you. Ashley, are you willing to prayerfully support Kyle in the work of the pastoral ministry, to share his joys, to be with him when he struggles, and to help him where you can in his calling? Christian friends and people of Crossroads Community Church, you have heard the commitment that's been made by Kyle in accepting the call to pastoral ministry in your congregation. Do you receive him as your pastor and are you ready to give him your prayerful support? Do you promise to be co-workers with him and do you accept Kyle as one being sent by God to lead your congregation in the work of the church and of Christ in this place? If you're willing to enter into this covenant with Kyle, we're going to ask you to respond with the words that are on the screen. And why don't you stand to do so, please? Thank you. You may be seated. I I really appreciate um, having people read through this thing because of the emphasis on this being a team effort. I work together and we call out certain people to do certain things And God calls certain people to do certain things, but the church is a team effort where we're just calling people like Kyle to help us do the things that we care about and we want to participate in doing as well. So then, whoops, come back here. In the name of Christ, and by the authority given to me by the church and by Mennonite Church, British Columbia, I commission you, Kyle Dick as Associate Pastor of Crossroads Community Church. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. May God bless you, and make you a blessing to these folks. We would like uh, people to come up and pray, um, and uh, invite people on the leadership team, family, friends, friends. Uh, people maybe representing MCBC even, Um, and uh, that's my quiet call for Jeanette to come up and join the prayer. (laughs) Maybe others have come uh, as well, but uh, people who'd like to come, other people who may be involved in the ministry that Kyle is going to be doing here, Uh, just come up, surround Kyle and Ashley, and uh, lay hands on and I'm going to give you the mic uh, to anybody who'd like to say a prayer and then I have a prayer to close with. So,
0: It's not a cold week or what? So we just spent five years in Ontario, some of you know that, so this is deja vu for us. It wasn't a plumber, pl- pleasant memory, um, but there you go, right? So my name is Len Helmerson, I'm the transitional pastor here. Crossroads is a church in transition, and I want to talk about that today. Some of you have been asking for an update. That's what this is about today. So transitional pastor has a particular role and particular goals. Change ahead. My job is to help you bring closure to one season of your community life, basically to help you say goodbye to the way things were and get ready to welcome a new season. So where we are now is, well, we had a starting point. It was last spring when Rob resigned that launched us into a process of transition of saying goodbye to the way things were and moving into this unknown space, this in-between land. Some people call this the neutral zone. And where I'm going today is to revisit the basics of transition itself and then talk about some specifics about where Crossroads is at in this process. So to start, I'm gonna read from Ecclesiastes chapter three. For everything there's a season and a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. So the teacher in Ecclesiastes really only tells us one thing with these verses. Change is the only constant. In life. And maybe there's another message that God is with us in all this mess. In other words, our starting point is that we're children of God. Why is that important? Well, because when we're in transition, we're letting go of something. In order to do that, we need stability somewhere and something that we can rely on. So that anchor for us is our faith in Jesus. So as we start out, remember the basic, most basic reality of transition is this transition is a paradox it's a paradox because whenever we're trying to welcome something new at the very same time we're letting go of something else so this um, transition map second circle on our transition map letting go don't get fixated on on the map I want you to see it I'll walk through the rest uh, as we go today so of course many of us run into trouble at this point why because no matter how much practice we have, it seems like it's always hard to let go. We have some wisdom from Scripture here, like Isaiah 43 43:19. 9, "Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And in the psalms, David tells us to sing a new song unto the Lord. And here's the problem. You can't sing a new song until you stop singing the old one. You can't say hello until you say goodbye. So letting go, like the song says, if you've ever heard that old song, so easy to say, so hard to learn. And we all do this process, this letting go thing at our own speed. But the catch is this. Letting go is really at the heart of the spiritual life. I talked about this in the summer this is the short form today. So even John the Baptist, who as a New Testament figure, stood clearly between two worlds, between the old world of Torah and temple and the new world of grace. When it time to really, came time to really let go, he said this to his disciples. Go and ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come? Or do we wait for someone else? So even for John, letting go of the world he knew was really hard. All these new teachings, the end of temple worship, moving from law to grace, it was tough. Why is letting go and welcoming change so hard for us? Well, first because it requires patience. And not that many of us are good at waiting. It's not easy because in our now culture of instant gratification, waiting has become kind of a lost art. We don't live in the slow world of 1910 where the speed of a cart was the Fastest way to travel. We live in the instant world of optic fiber and travel in a jet stream. And I don't want 3G anymore. I want 5G. And waiting in a sacred space, that pregnant space where the spirit is at work, has been almost lost. We have different personalities in transition, too. Action people want to get on with a job. Process people want more time for conversation and reflection. So one of the things we know is that transitions go better in community. Things go better when we've got friends around us on the same journey. Because transitions are messy. And they're full of contradictions. It can feel like you're neither here nor there. You're just stuck in between. Imagine Israel under Moses wandering. Imagine the conversation after 20 years wandering. Moses, I thought we were called to the promised land. We're going in circles in the desert. And the big question in transition, not always obvious on the surface, the big question is God trustworthy? Remember how many Israelites were dying on the way to Canaan? So can we trust his promises? Is he really for us? So Paul writes in Philippians 3, talking about loss For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death. Okay, so that's that's more than messy. Maybe we could do messy, but in transitions, it feels like it's out of control. We're not in control of the seasons. Case in point. Pregnant woman can't decide when the baby will be born. We can't decide in advance how quickly we'll find the next pastor for Crossroads. That feeling of loss of control creates anxiety. But here's the catch. It's in these in-between places where we're not in control that so much growth happens in us. God loves transitions because they force a new level of faith. They force us to a new level of trust and dependence on him. If we never face uncertainty, our faith remains small just based on things that we can control or measure. And if we never face uncertainty, we depend on our own strengths because, and then we never learn what incredible resources we have in the spirit. As Peter tells us, his divine power has given us everything needed for life and godliness. It's important to recognize that change requires a loss, and that means grief. And we know a few things about grief, right? First stage of grieving, denial, this can't be happening to me, and then anger. Anger. It's all their fault. Or God, how could you let this happen? There's lots of anger in the psalms because there's lots of grief. And when you're in it, you don't always know it. Your temper's short. Things that normally are small suddenly seem large. People who have experienced a loss find themselves with these emotional swings. One minute they're smiling and happy, the next they're crying for no reason. But there is a reason because they've lost something or someone where they had a deep connection. Relationship they relied on. And sometimes when we've lost something, we've had a deep investment, it's hard to invest again. It's hard to trust. Healing requires time and prayer, sometimes wise counsel. So, as leaders looking at our church, this all becomes part of an assessment process. How healthy are we as a church? That becomes both a spiritual question and a structural one. So, this map again larger middle circle, church health and vision clarity, spiritual question and a structural one. Why do we need structures? We need structures because we have important tasks that we need to know they're done, setting up every Sunday, pastoral care, administrative work, bulletins, mailing lists, worship planning, Structures are like the bones and ligaments of the body. They give us a place to hang the muscles and the flesh. They enable us to actually move and accomplish something in the physical world. And for Crossroads lately to understand our church, I've been asking three questions. Where has Crossroads been? Where are we now? Where are we going? You might wonder at the first question. Where have we been? Why does that matter? Well, competitive rowers discover that you don't go—you don't go forward. Sorry, you go forward by looking back. Competitive rowers ever watched competitive rowing? We're shaped by our history, whether we like it or not. Crossroads began as a church of home groups. We've gone forward from that place, so that now our DNA is mixed. We're like a transplanted tree. The original soil worked well, but we're in different soil now. I think we're not quite sure who we are anymore. And leaders have a huge impact on, I- on identity. Rob moved us further from that early history, which is okay, but I'm not sure we quite landed with a new way of being. Rob also had his hands in everything, and the problem that over-functioning creates is that others lose ownership. I'm not quite sure how they fit or participate. So we have some weaknesses. Because the church really is meant to be everyone plays, functioning together as a gifted priesthood. When one leader is over-functioning, that likely means that there's dependence in some places. Which is why we spent so much time talking about priesthood and gifts back in October, because it's really true that we're all called to do ministry. So then I needed a way to map what I was seeing and the stories I was hearing in order to get a fix on Crossroads as it was functioning now, and I decided to work out of Acts chapter two. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So I took this passage as my map and there's at least three dimensions here of church life. Worship and prayer, which includes study, so more than only Sunday mornings. Mission and outreach, which includes all the intentional ministries that we're doing outside the walls. And Crossroads as a body has hands in a lot of places, hands and feet. Community, which is about informal connections as well as groups and Sunday gatherings. So we've looked at these three dimensions of, at Crossroads, And a disclaimer here, all models are false, but some are useful. So when I tried to place crossroads on this map and put a number to it, and I can can break this down for anyone who wants, I have a sheet of process stuff, I came out around 65% with our strongest point being mission, because we have a lot of people doing a lot of stuff out there. But still, 65% for community and worship and prayer, that's a lot of room to improve, So back to this process map, the bigger circle around that center circle, ongoing assessment and prayer, really important. Another issue is that Crossroads is a super casual church. What, you're saying? That's an issue? That's what I love about this church. Yeah, absolutely. But anytime a strength is dominant, it can become a weakness. How so? Well, you can wear it as a badge of spirituality. Then it becomes oppressive, a test for belonging. Are you casual enough to really belong here? That's a danger, right? That becomes a test for people to pass. And secondly, our casualness sometimes means that things get missed. And sometimes you don't know where to go with an idea or a question. And We tend to resist definition and commitment around here because we're casual. But actually... Those things are really important. And structure, when it's timely and fit, helps us relax together. We need tracks to run on. We don't want to continually invent things. That's exhausting. So That's been another focus in the last past six months because that's really important for community life, structure. People just get exhausted otherwise. So we're looking at ways to rebuild community life at Crossroads because for some reason we've lost some cohesion over the recent years. Partly because we had fewer functioning home groups. So we restarted Super Sundays. We have a few new groups going. A prayer group is launching. That's both a way of renewing connections and a way of seeking God more intentionally as a church. And community building is a challenge for us here for other reasons. First, because of a really good reason that we're busy and committed everywhere. And secondly, we have physical challenges with our space, it's a gym. In most churches, people are connecting before or after the service, and we do that here. But we don't have a foyer, and we don't really have a relaxing space after. We have chairs banging and clanging as soon as music stops. That's tough for some people, especially if you're new and you're not used to that. So we have some challenges, and we live with tensions and contradictions. Thank God the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and somehow this thing works, right? Right? He's said God is on our side in all this. And we expect God to go before us as we continue to assess and tweak and experiment. And that means that ongoing assessment is complex, right? We won't ever get it right. It'll never be finally done. What we build, like ourselves, is partial and it's broken. It's messy. An important question, though, is what's the fruit? Are we seeing real growth in people? The question for us as as God's people is never just the end point of destination, but are we going deeper as we follow Jesus? Are we growing in love, in patience, in faithfulness? Are we growing in connection with others, in commitment and care? Are we serving? So recently I've been working in this middle circle, relational renewal, working on deepening our connections with one another and with God, and asking the process questions along with the transition team. Some of you know there's a transition team. Early on, we saw the need for more prayer, prayer that would support the transition we're in, but also prayer that would support people in transition. So we started offering prayer after the service. And now the next phase of transition is the vision phase. And this is a word that people kind of sometimes don't know what to do with. What does it mean? It means that we need some agreement on who we are and where we're going. We need a shared vision of our call as a people. Without that, we can start pulling in different directions or just drift along without much focus. We need to work as a team, sharing energy, supporting one another in ministry. We need to surface and understand our core values. We need to understand our culture so we can make choices. What's not seen or understood, we can't choose or change. And some of you know Crossroads has a mission statement. It was called Playbook 2020, which was finished not long before Rob resigned. But I've heard from so many, we need to revisit that process. We want, to, we want more people included. We want a vision that represents the majority of us, our collective identity, for at least two reasons. First, because we are a body. We're a community in the spirit. God has brought us together in this body, in this place, for a purpose. And then secondly, when a vision is driven only by leaders, It becomes a huge task for a few people. We need a vision that represents the majority of us. And then we can search for the next pastor who fits us, fits our culture, our vision. So this visioning process will be really critical before we start searching for a new pastor later this spring. We want maximum participation. We'll design ways, various ways for your input as well as a group process, likely beginning February 22nd. The sharper understanding of who we are and where we're heading, the more discerning we'll be as we search for the next pastor for Crossroads. Also, will make it easier for that next person to understand us. What's he being invited into? So that's a somewhat short form of my sense of the picture here, gathered from many conversations. Some analysis It's not perfect or complete. Your mileage will vary, but hopefully you have a clearer sense of where we sit Please be in prayer for us as leaders, for our church as we're finishing one chapter and turning a page. Can I even suggest a prayer that you can just have in your mind as you're doing something during the day and pray it? Here it is. Lord, give me ears to hear the heart of the Father. Give me eyes to see the beauty of his bride. And give me feet shod with the gospel of peace. Just three short lines. Give me ears to hear the heart of the Father. Give me eyes to see the beauty of his bride. Give me feet shod with the gospel of peace. Reserve February 22nd. We'll confirm that date as soon as we can. Let's pray.